When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's time for Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century. From I Love Lucy to News Radio, I am your TV guide, Brett White. And this week I am joined by returning guest, Matt Little. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back. First ever repeat guest. Very excited about this. Uh, Because this uh, this is a show that I knew I had to do with you. Yeah. We talked about doing this as the first episode, Uh, Well, I was like... It was either Friends or Full House, and I was like, I and uh, no earth <laughs> am I allowing Full yeah. House to be the first episode of this podcast. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's fair. So we did, I mean, even back when we did Matt Brett Love Comics, I think we wanted to do an April Fool's episode where we just did Full House. Yes! Oh my god, that's right! <laughs> so it's always been in my head of like, I just want to get into Full House. So yes. With back to school season upon us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like... Check your local Target. Yeah. God, it's already... All the swimwear and beach stuff is out and all the fucking school supplies are back in. Yeah. This is that part of the year where, like, we're exhausted by the heat, but all of the... Everything reminding you that it's going to be fall is still depressing until the weather kind of breaks. Which now, thanks to global warming, which is fucking real. Yeah, uh, it's not going to be for still like another two months or so. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, the our dying earth. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Way to start it off hot. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, this is going to be a roller coaster of an episode. Um, because this week we are traveling to September 29th, 1989. Black Rain ruled the box office. Girl, I'm Gonna Miss You by Millie Vanilli topped the charts. Oh, yeah. And ABC aired the Full House episode Back to School Blues. Matt, you must have seen Back to School Blues before. Uh, 110%. This is... This <laughs> I thought you were gonna say 110 times, which is accurate also. Well, I mean, that's also accurate. You look back at the... Uh, as soon as Full House went into syndication, it was on yeah. for at least an hour on several different... <laughs> like, there was a point, much like Seinfeld and the Simpsons later, where yeah. you could start watching Full House... At 5 p.m. and, and continue to watch it until like 8 p.m. Yeah. I think when we were both, I think we're, were we both uh, underemployed at the same time in like 2007, 2008? Because I remember both of us being like, oh yeah, I also watch ABC Family. Yes. Oh like, yeah, because they just had a marathon like of it every two, afternoon. Like two hour block every yes. day. Because, uh, yeah, so I grew up watching Full House, of course. Yes. Um, 
So you also grew up watching Full House, right? Uh-huh. Did you were you at the time aware of it being good or bad? It uh, I was aware. So I remember <laughs> as a child enjoying it. By the last season, nineteen ninety five. Yeah, I remember it being habit. That, like, I enjoyed semi-ironically. Well, how old were you in 1995? 95. What grade, what grade is that? Uh, ninth. So I was 14 years yeah. old. Yeah. See, because it ended when I was in fifth grade. Yeah. So, but even then, as a fifth grader, I don't know if I ever genuinely... I can't suss out my feelings about Full House. I feel like it was just a thing you had to do. Yes. I had, I had um, like, Michelle novels... And I had oh, like a yeah. like a like a Tanner family scrapbook book. Yes, like I had this stuff. But and I remember like one time playing Full House uh-huh. with like at my parents used to drag me to softball fields because they all played softball. And I hate sports. Yes. So they would, while they were doing that, I would play with the other children of the other parents on this co-ed team. Uh-huh. I remember me and one of the little girls played like uh, Jesse and Becky. Like we played like Full House. Yes. On like the playground, but. I but I still like I don't ever remember actively being like this is my favorite show the way I would a uh, I don't know well I guess cartoons at that time right because this but I still watched it it's so true it was well you know what it was too so at this time in '89 Full House was still a Friday night show at yeah, the very end Tuesday, yeah. at the very end of its run it became a Tuesday night show I only ever knew it as a Tuesday night show oh okay and it wasn't until remember they had that um laughs trading card set oh from Impel yeah that's same it. people that did the first Marvel Universe yes, cards yes because it was in, the comic, in comic books around 1990 1991 there were all yeah. these like laugh and it was a Full House Family Matters and Perfect Strangers yes and I think that was my first inkling of like oh Full House I guess was a TGIF show at one point. Yes, because I knew it only as a Tuesday night show. So I yeah. guess I came on in like season 4 or 5. It was the summer that Terminator 2 was in theaters oh. and the reason that I know this is because they put Michelle in that... they put Mary Kate and Ashley on <laughs> a that... big wheel yeah. in the leather jacket. So you remember that. Yeah, and that was how that. they announced that they were moving to Tuesdays. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh, horrible. Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> uh, but like and then I remember it was it hit syndication, like, hard. Yes. Like, I think as soon as they hit 100 episodes, they, like, had it locked and loaded and ready to go and markets all across the country. Because I remember growing up watching it new on Tuesdays and then catching up on all these, you know, the first three or four seasons on syndication, you know, when I was, like, eight. Well, you know, television watching, I think, too, had a different, um, there was sort of a different approach to how families watch television at that yeah. time. We were coming out of an era where our parents were the first generation to have a TV in like almost every home. Yeah, yeah. And TV still at that time when they were children was a gather around and it was and a, it was, yeah. a, it was a bonding experience. Yeah. And Fridays and Saturdays were when families would gather. And TGIF so, was that was a genius marketing play. Oh, for sure. Because it made Friday nights. I mean, I watched TGIF every week, and I lo- also like stayed up watched Twenty Twenty afterwards. Yeah, I, I loved. That's I how loved I knew all of that. I John Stossel was as big a celebrity yeah. to me as John Stamos. Yeah. <laughs> the Stossel and Stamos. Stossel and Stamos uh, Friday nights. ABC. You get a pizza. You sit down, you watch TGIF. Yes. And that's every week. So now, I was recently at a 
a record store that is closing in the West Village. And I was thumbing through their box of books and I stumbled upon... Jesse and the Rippers? Oh man, I wish. This was actually (laughs) a book. It was an autobiography by by this guy who was a warm-up comic for a bunch of shows in the 80s. Now most of the book is just him kind of giving his sort of talking about behind the scenes stuff that doesn't really have to do with him, but I mean, he knew where his bread was buttered. He was like, mm-hmm. everyone's going to buy this book to hear stuff Stories about other shows. About old shows. But one of the shows that he was a, a warm up comic for was Full House. Oh, so he man. was friends with Bob Saget and Jeff Miller. Jeff Miller was a comedian and a TV writer ah. in LA. The way that this guy tells the story is Jeff Miller pitched Full House as kind of a bullshit pitch. He was trying to pitch other stuff, and this was him well, this being is... like, I don't know what the hell these people want. You know what? Yeah. Here's a dumbass show about, like... Three men and three babies. Yes. Is, is it is this Three Men and the Baby? Does that predate Full House, or is it Full House after before? Uh, they were around the same time. I think they were both 87. So that's, like, you know, big, big year for men with babies. Yes. And possibly that was the reason why they, maybe someone knew that Three Men and a Baby was in development. Yeah. And they realized, oh, this is a similar concept. Um, ABC also really wanted to do something with John Stamos. They were in the Stamos business. Yeah. And you, you watch the show now too, and it's easy to see why, because a lot of, a lot of Uncle Jesse is just John Stamos, like Stamos going to Stamos. I mean... He's a the Beach Boys are supporting character recurring characters on Full House. He's like the eighties. He's like the eighties version of The Rock, yeah. where he could be anywhere, and everyone just thought he was super charming, and they would watch him do anything. And he's still that way. Like Stamos, mm-hmm. just I forget Stamos was on ER for a long time, like Great in point. the later years. Like yeah. he just Stamos all over the place. Yes, he. I mean, I feel like he willed Full House back onto television. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and it's also weird to see that he's top billed. I mean, I didn't like as a kid. He's an I had, executive producer I had on the new no series. No idea like what order credits were in and what that meant. But now going back and watching Full House shows, it's like yeah, it's starring John Stamos and then Bob Saget and Dave Coulier. Yes. Whereas I think if you know, growing up, I always thought like this is the Bob Saget show because he's the dad. And but no, like Stamos is top billed. Yes. Uh, so yeah, we both have an extensive history of uh, knowledge of Full House, and I think we both have a lot of knowledge. Um, so let's get into this particular epi. Let's do it. Um, this week on Must Have Seen TV, we're talking about the Full House episode "Back to School Blues." It is the second episode of season three. It was written by Jeff Franklin and directed by Bill Foster, but not Giant Man. But not, but not, not Giant Man. Not, not, not the one that died in Civil, Civil War. War. Yeah. Uh, not the one that's going to be in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Wait, is he really? Yeah, but I can't remember the cast. Oh, man. He's going to be in it. Um, here's how iTunes describes this episode. DJ has a rough day at junior high school when she finds out, when she finds all the kids are more, air quote, grown up than she is, but she learns that more makeup isn't really the answer. Matt, does that accurately describe the plot? I mean, that 100% describes the plot. You don't even... There is a B-plot in this God. episode oh, that doesn't even get resolved. No, it... Well, they, like, it resol- yeah, they, uh... They, yeah, let's just... 
let's just go free for me. Let's go okay. free rolling here. Uh, basically, the thing I love most about this show is tracking what the fuck Jesse and Joey's jobs are in any given season because they go like Jesse is a fucking exterminator in season one with a different last name. Yes, Jesse Cochran. Uh, and then he becomes. What's, then they become Jingle Riders. Yes. Then they become... What is that? Is right after the Jingle Riders when they become the Russia Renegades? Well, they were ad copywriters and they became independent Jingle, jingle Riders. Okay. And then they got the job at the radio station as the Rush Hour Renegades. Okay. And then Joey... And then Jesse bought the Smash Club. Yes. After also becoming like an international touring musician because he was big in Japan. Oh, right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, and then Joey, they their paths diverged and Joey became Ranger Joe. Yeah, he got his own he got his own local television yeah. kids show. But his stand-up career also started getting better because yeah. he started dating that other comic. He oh yeah, he also he did Star Search. That's right. Yeah, um, and then Joe Jesse became like what Professor Egghead or something for an episode on Ranger Joe. Oh, yes, yeah, that was like one episode. Yeah, it might have been because more he, than one actually. I don't. They played. Uh, they played on the show. Yeah, because uh, there was that uh, great. I thought it was a very funny joke. Um, that uh, he needed the paycheck and he didn't want to look like a Ranger jackass. Yeah, good, uh, good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes they'd slip a swear in on this show. Uh, so this we are firmly in Jing. We're in ad copy era, right? I believe so, because they're they're taking a meeting. With a oil? It's like an oil guy? Yeah. Car oil? This is also in what I like to call the, um, the, where I put it in my, oh, this is the, um, every line is a reaction to Michelle era. Literally every line. Now this does have one rare line and it was very rare. I remember tracking this when it was in syndication because it would be on so much. (laughs) I noticed this pattern that for about three or four years on the show, every line that Michelle said, there was either laughter afterwards or an awe Mm -hmm. after every one. This has one rare line in this episode where there's no reaction. Uh, And that is when she picks up the... Jesus, sorry, Siri wants to chime in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sometimes Siri produces the show. <laughs> um, when she says, I want makeup, there's no reaction. Yeah. And it's a very rare non-reaction line for a Michelle. creepy because she walks yes. in with like her lips slathered in bright red lips. Oh, yeah. She comes back um, in looking like Heath Ledger's Joker. Uh so yeah, the B plot is them trying to sell ads to uh, a like it's like Jiffy Lou, it's like a motor oil, I think. Yes. And like the person plays golf, and so they're gonna have to go play golf. And then there is one scene of Joey teaching Jesse how to play golf, and that's basically it. Also, like, it's... also prominently featuring a gay panic joke. Uh huh. Now the thing about that too that I that I realized as we were watching this, now that I'm older, is uh, I am surprised that they're making a gay panic joke when these guys live in early 90s San Francisco. Oh, yeah. They're all surrounded by it. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you have to be surrounded by this all the time. Also, just in terms of social settings, Danny, Jesse, and Joey are three men that live together. And I yeah. feel like in San Francisco, people, if they go to parties, people are just going to assume, like, oh, they're in, like, a triad. They're in, like, a polyamorous <laughs> yes. relationship. Yes. Like, and they probably have to be, like, making a lot of clarification. So you got to be more open to it. Yeah. Uh, to start off with, this episode's cult open. Okay. Without any jokes? 
Like, it's just... <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought up Michelle, because we are definitely in the, oh, hey, Mary-Kate and Ashley, they can finally talk. Like, yes. we're definitely in that, like, let's get them, let's start making... Because before, they were just, like, the cute baby. Oh, yeah. Season, season three, they're, like, kind of walking, kind of talking. Like, yep. they start... The cold open is just Jesse and Michelle playing, like, hide-and-seek. Yes, with, on like, the couch. On the couch, and that's it. And then it ends, like... Michelle's not a play, and he's like, okay, well, you count. And so she closes her eyes and counts, and then she, like, opens them and Three, like, four, five. Here I am. <laughs> I am again. Copies. Copies. She found herself, and Jesse's like, oh, you stinker, and then just, like, jumps on the couch and hugs her. You know what, you know <laughs> what it no is? Joke. It's an, it's an, Upper status, lower status game. And they give <laughs> Michelle upper status, uh-huh. which everyone loves, and then love Jesse it. accepts it. Can we talk about Jesse's outfit in the cold open? Okay. Because it is <clears throat> like a navy royal blue tee. Yes. Some big are they black jeans or they're like a black they i think they i think most of his pants have pleats they're like right a weird black era. jean pleat yeah something like z cavarici jeans were jeans with pleats and then he is wearing with the blue t-shirt and black pants black pe- thick thick banded suspenders yes that have like white circles on them yes like and they are thick they're like i don't know like a good like two inch thick yeah suspenders with a t-shirt and then bright white like Reeboks. Yes. It is <laughs> it is something that wouldn't look out of place in my neighborhood today. I oh, feel like says, yeah. I feel like someone that looks like they're trying to look dirty would be walking down Bedford Avenue wearing Looking this. Looking like the Uncle Jesse look. Yes. But I'm also like for his character in 1991, what the hell is that conveying? Because he's supposed to be the edgy bad boy rock and roller. Right. But they, he has the, the funniest, one of the funniest things about Full House is how Uncle Jesse is a bad boy that just, like, loves oldies. Yes. Like, loves the most toothless... Like, the most toothless rock and roll. Because he lived through... So he is an adult in his 20... When he was a teen, like, he should have been listening to Alice Cooper and yeah. Zeppelin in the yeah. 70s. Yeah. And he wasn't. He was listening to Elvis and, like, Bill Haley in the yeah, comics. Right. And it's like, ooh, he's a badass. Yeah. And so you see this version of Jesse. I think, like, season one, there's a lot of, like, Henleys and, like, leather jackets. It's right. It's harder. Season right. three, they've just gone full, like, I don't know. He looks kind of like, I don't know, six on Blossom in this yes. opening scene. Yes. Like, without the hat. He, uh, in, and his uh, his next outfit, by oh, the way, which I which also again, wrote down. I, I had to write down suspenders and underline it because, dear yes. God, Jesse and your suspenders. That's what my question was. Do you feel like you could ever rock the Katsopolis? I feel like I would no. call this look the Katsopolis. Well, his second look is they are thinner spender, mm-hmm. thinner suspenders. They're like a brown, yes. like a brown, like leathery yeah, yeah. kind of maybe. And he's it's like a maroon. Is it a maroon button down? It's a maroon short sleeve, short oh, sleeve short button sleeve down. Button. I say oh, only God. because the sleeves come to his elbows. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then what kind of pants is he wearing? They're they just go- high waisted, uh, pleated <sighs> black or Ooh. pleated gray trousers. Yes, yes. If those sleeves were longer, no, okay, longer sleeves, no pleats, tighter fit. I would wear it. Okay. But that's also a completely different outfit, basically. Well, I mean, it is, but it it just... Watching Woody, and you're so right about 
the sort of bad boy image that they tell you. It's like they tell you one thing about him, yeah. but then they show you something very different. Because this is 1989. Like, he should be dressed like Axl Rose. Yeah, he's also only, like, in his late 20s. Which is also mind-blowing. Yes. How young he... I think how young Stamos actually is, and then also how young... Because I think he's supposed to be, like... 22 or something in the season series premiere 22 22 23 like yes yeah. he's, he's not young. that old i don't know anybody that would dress like he should be dressed like he was especially for the music he plays he bon should Jovi. look like he's on the la like on sunset strip yeah and he decidedly does not no. um i will say we both noted uh the opening credits yeah after this comes the opening credits which like Again, another, one of the greatest opening credit sequences of all time. But then Another also, classic banger. Just like, again, it's just everything Full House is. Mm-hmm. Overly earnest, saccharine, emotional theme song. Yes. Um, and then, just again, the opening credits are just so sugary sweet and comforting. And yeah. it's like... It's all a whole bunch of, like, light comic scenes of, like, we're going to the grocery store. Yes. We're, like, riding on a trolley car. And then, you know, their names come up, and it's like, I'm, like, going to school. I'm I'm trying to tell you something. Like, yes. There's a lot of, like, sort of aspirational family aspects of this yeah. show. And it's funny that you mentioned that. I, I thought this at... Before DJ and uh, Gibbler go to their first day of junior high... Um, Which Gibbler, is treated like ninth grade. Well, I, yeah, we're going to get to that in a minute when we start talking about what these kids look like. Uh, Gibbler, Gibbler says that... Uh, well, here are your lunches. Mr. Tanner, wake up. In junior high, the cool kids buy their lunch. If you want to be a good dad, give her a bag of cash. Uh, Danny just unthinkingly, even though he already packed... DJ a lunch just hands her money. Yeah. And I was thinking like, yeah, that was aspirational to me as a kid because when I was a kid, if that happened and I was like, yeah. no, I don't want to carry my lunch. I want to buy it. My parents would be like, you shut the fuck up and yeah. you take, take yeah. you take the we lunch we made you. Because also San Francisco is the most ex- uh, expensive city in America. Yes. And they are living in a, they are living in a TARDIS house. It is. That it is. is. It's one of the painted ladies is what those houses are called. For sure. Right? Uh, I think it's, yeah. And it is thin. Yeah. The, but like you go inside and it is just this expanse. I remember on Entertainment Tonight, around the time that the, one of the last two seasons they were on, they did like an onset visit. So yeah. I, I watched it because it came on at 7.30 right after I'd been done watching Full yeah, House. it's been on for two hours. So... Uh, they talked to, you know, Bob Saget's taking them around, and I believe it was him that said, you know, it's a fun fact, like, this set wouldn't actually fit inside yeah. this house, and they, yeah. like, expanded the top floor in, like, a graphic recreation to make it look like, and the top floor would stretch across the two houses oh, yeah. that are that neighbor that house. Oh, wow, and that does not happen here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is also a, this is a house with four stories in it, because I also love mapping where everyone lives and moves throughout the course, because they yes. all move around. Because there's, like, a basement. There's a garage that starts out as a, as a garage. Yeah. Then it becomes Joey's room after yes. he moves from living in the fucking alcove in yeah. the living room, which is such a shitty thing to do to him. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, you're going to be bunk beds with Jesse because, like, you, you should you should have a door. Yes. Oh, they treated Joey wrong in season one. <laughs> uh, and then after that, it becomes Jesse's recording studio. Yes. Because then Joey moves... 
upstairs. Because doesn't Stephanie's Stephanie's old room then becomes hold on Stephanie's room becomes Joey's room Jesse's room yes and then when Jesse moves in with Becky in the attic Joey moves into that room right wait no, no. DJ wait, no, no yeah, DJ Joey, got her own room DJ so, got Michelle's room yes because what happened like Michelle always had that wait. Yes, okay. DJ had the big room where two of them always sleep. Yes. So when Je- when Jesse enters their lives, Michelle keeps her room. Stephanie moves into DJ's room. Yes. So that's that. And then there are two switches that happen. And I think it, they might have happened at the same time where Jesse moves upstairs and then Michelle and DJ switch. Yes. And then Joey moves into... Joey moves into Stephanie's room. Because yes. that room is in... Yeah, so the... Yeah. yeah. See? It's such a good... It's like a Jenga. And it's I like, feel like... I, I wonder then, like... It's a jigsaw puzzle. I, I think about the writer's room in those moments where they're like... Uh, they were they were like, what's a story? Oh, we, they move we have them room. living where? Yeah. No, no, no. All right. Well, there's a story. We got to get like, the yeah. fuck out of the alcove. Because <laughs> again, like I remember, I remember like the show telling me Joey lives in that alcove and then just like as a young viewer being like, that isn't true. That makes no sense. Yeah. And they're denying it. And then you realize, no, his stuff is back there. Oh yeah. You were an <sighs> alcove denier. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So like the, the show starts up on, and it is first day of, uh, Junior high. Junior high. And Stephanie is upset because she's not going to be the only Tanner in elementary school anymore. Because she's going into second grade and DJ's going into seventh grade. Yeah. And what happens if someone calls Stephanie, and I wrote this insult down. down. What if some kid calls me a lameoid zombie dog? DJ's response is, just bite him. (laughs) Just bite him. It's, uh, oh, also... The jeans, like as we when they yeah. when they leave and they go downstairs, you get a great shot of Joey's uh, the pants that Joey's wearing, and I just like how strong were our hips in the '90s to hold up all that denim? Yeah, like denim it's is heavy. Like, it's just uh, yeah, it's just holding it up there. Well, was he wearing a belt? No, also no belts in the early '90s. No, no Rarely belts. Really a thing. Belts were un- until they brought braided belts back. Like yeah, they, were not cool. <laughs> they were not cool. They were not cool. The, I wanted to comment about how morning in the Tanner house is just, it's just frantic. It feels like, it always feels like chaos. I always wonder what time of day it is that everyone is so awake and talking yeah, to is, each other. It is solidly 6.30. Yeah. 6.30, 6.45, maybe 7. Yeah, because they have a morning show they to ha- get yeah, to. Because I noted like, so it's morning in, morning in the Tanner house and both Kimmy and Becky come over in the morning to pick up respectively DJ and Danny. Yeah. And I'm just like, hey, why is, I mean, I, I know as a writer, everyone's coming over because they just want to have them in scenes. Right. But to step back logically, like does Becky come by, swing by and pick Danny up every morning to go to their adult job that they could, they should both be responsible enough to just meet at. Yes. That is <laughs> insane to me that she, so that means she gets up at like five to get ready so that she can go are they, waste time. Are they carpooling into Wake Up San Francisco? I think so. I think that was a storyline later in the series. And again, like, I, Lori Loughlin, A+, plus, MVP, great, mm-hmm. love Lori Loughlin. So the more we get of, Aunt Be- of Becky, Aunt Becky, oh, yeah. A+, plus, good job. Oh, yeah. Uh, is this her first season as a regular? Because she is in the opening credits. I think so. Um... I also do like mapping the opening credits because Full House has a good one that fluctuates and you get yes. to see 
they reshoot it every year. Uh-huh. I appreciate that so much. I yeah. love that so much. That stuff doesn't happen anymore. No. Uh, so, shout out. That's why when Fuller House Season 2 debuted, I was actually pretty mad because I don't think... No, I think they did insert new clips from Season 1 in it, but the shots of them, like, introducing Turning the clips in, yeah. is all the same. Uh, I was mad about that. Um, uh, also, Stephanie, little, uh, uh, a little prescient here when she says that uh, when... Uh, when she's in elementary school. But when I get to junior high, you'll be in high school. When I get to high school, you'll be in college. When I get to college, you'll be working at McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. You know, really kind of uh, foreshadowed this whole uh, uh, post-collegiate crisis yeah. that our generation is having. <laughs> Stephanie knows what is up. Yeah. Stephanie's authoring some books about millennials and uh, the Gen X. Yeah. Because uh, DJ is Gen X. Yeah. And, but Stephanie is probably a millennial. Stephanie I mean, would... I she's probably... I think... she's She would be because she was... This is 89. At that time, she's seven. In, she's in 89. This is second grade. Yeah. So she would have been born in 82. Yeah. So this is... I mean, depending on where your beginning of millennial is, she's... Yeah, she is a... Yeah. So, okay. And then Michelle is also a millennial, which is why that is bullshit. Which yes. is why these generational divides are bullshit. Um. Because uh, I have... I'm... I'm not Michelle, okay? Damn it. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's not 100% my story to tell, but uh, my girlfriend was working for an organization company uh, a little bit a couple of years ago, and one of their clients was Ashley Olsen. Uh, oh, and just Ashley. So, they, so she had to come in. Well, actually, both of them... Oh no! You know what? It was Mary Kate. Mm. They were they were cleaning. They were organizing closet for Mary Kate because her and her new husband just. Oh, that bought, isn't that creepy old dude? Yeah, that guy. They bought this crazy ass mansion up near Midtown on the east side, and oh apparently, uh, on it it shares a backyard, like a private backyard area with. Ashley's crazy ass mansion, which is on the opposite side of the other block. Wow. So like, so my girlfriend was in like the kitchen, um, cause they had to like organize all this stuff and she saw like old, they still have old costumes from like how the West was fun oh, and they're wow. labeled, they're oh, labeled. I do. I, that makes me like them a lot for some reason. <laughs> um, she said that she said that there was a knock at the back door. And Becky opened, my girlfriend opened the door and was like, oh, hi. And it was Ashley. And she was like, hi, <laughs> where's Mary Kate? She was like, oh, uh, I don't think she's here right now. She goes, okay, where's Dasha? Who was the person that runs the like organization company? She's like, oh, she's in the other room. Hi, I'm Becky. And she goes, mm, Ashley. And then just wandered <laughs> off. And she was like, that was like the extent of her. <laughs> She said she came in, like, looked at, like, five bags, said to keep them, and then was like, this is too hard, and then left. <laughs> so what is that life? Oh, I love it. Do you think, is there, are they buying, they are buying Manhattan mansions with full house money, right? Or, or well, do you, or, yes. or is it, as I'm trying to figure out, did they make more money on full house, on their own video VHS enterprise empire, or off of their fashion lines? Well, they, I think what they did really well was that they merchandised themselves. Yes. They were like one of the first, and you look back, they, they really did create a, 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 like a 360 media brand for themselves. Which is really as like, well, their parents did, I guess, but as yeah. like 
10-year-olds, they were... They had the guts to launch their own direct to, like, Mary-Kate and Ashley mysteries and all this stuff that weren't, like... That's not TV shows. Like, we're just going to sell the DV, the, the VHSs directly. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, like, they did, like, a direct-to-consumer thing. Pretty and crazy. They, uh, and, and that is... I would imagine a lot of that money comes from syndication. Yeah. Uh, and I would assume, because they had a large family... Like, that family is pretty big, right? I mean, like, there's a bunch of Olsons. Scarlet Witches in there now. <laughs> yeah, and they're all... And they weren't... When I think that a family has, like, eight kids or something, I immediately think, oh, God, like, how stretched thin are they? But yeah. they weren't. They they knew how to handle their money, I think, before Full House, so I'm assuming they had great, like, financial advisors. Yeah, I think they're, they're, they're set. Yeah. Uh, um, I wanted to talk about... The weird... Well, Jesse comes out as anti-golf because he doesn't know how to golf. But mm-hmm. he says, only little old ladies... Uh, I'm sorry, Joseph. Golf is for little old ladies. I play golf. And hot young babes. <laughs> is that an accurate stereotype for 1989? Is there any... Because I have no idea, like, golf's public perception in the 80s. Yeah. That seemed weird. Yeah, that's not true at all. In fact, like, so many people associate the PGA even at that time with like Jack Nicholas and yeah. Arnold Palmer. Yeah. So that's again, I mean, I guess Jesse's too busy listening to Elvis cassettes. Yeah. <laughs> to oh, really yeah. be up on uh the golf life. He it's so so strange that quote or that comment and I was like is he is he supposed to be projecting there and showing off how dumb he is? Or yeah. is he just really that? Or, or were they just that clueless? Yeah. Or are the writers not? Yeah. Did not know anything about golf? Because uh, I mean, like golf didn't become a big thing in my life till Tiger Woods. Oh, Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. Um. So then, I guess we can now get into the middle school. Yeah. So they go to the first day of school, and like, uh, Kimmy and DJ get separated, and then they finally like, they pick up their schedules and like see each other hug and are like oh i'm so glad to see you oh we only have one period together we only have one class together six period spanish great the only time we're together we can't speak english (laughs) oh that was a fun joke good joke good Um, joke but these you know i had to go back in in when i originally wrote this note i wrote the high schoolers are styled like they're 35 and then I remembered that this was junior high. Junior high. They're seventh grade. They're 12 and like at the oldest, they're 14. Yeah. And they have them styled like they're 30. Yeah. There's a, there's a kid with a mustache, which yes. again is like funny joke, but that's like a funny joke on a sitcom that deals in purposely absurd humor. Yes. Like Arrested Development can make that joke. Yes. Full House... Full House is absurd. I mean, Kimmy Gibbler has a pet ostrich in one episode. Yes. So it is absurd, but it is not it is not an absurd show. Right. It's almost unintentionally absurd. It's like silly. Yes. It's not an absurdist Green Acresy show. Great call. So a, a middle schooler with a mustache is like, for me, a step to, like, it's still like, what reality are we dealing with here? Yes. That's the kind of joke a different show should make, I think. I don't know. You know, he makes a quick reappearance in the episode, too. He is standing beside the phone booth yeah. when DJ goes into the phone booth to have lunch, 
and he's but he's standing he's also standing by himself yeah. not talking to anyone it's, and laughs at her it's very like matthew mcconaughey like you know <laughs> yes. what i love about high school like that's been yeah. because he's a man with a mustache leering at the irga maybe he's a narc maybe oh, he's maybe. undercover it's a 21 this is like a 21 jump street thing this is a subtle 21 jump street crossover yes uh and then um so like dj is there i can't remember what's kimmy wearing Kimmy is wearing something. Isn't it like a purple. Oh, it's like the. Isn't there that weird like green and black like tie dye kind of yes. like, jumper thing? Yes. Like it looks like aerobics wear. Like yes. Every... And DJ is wearing. I wrote like it's a vest that looks like it is made out of like hotel wallpaper. Yes. Like hotel. <laughs> like eighties like hotel bathroom wallpaper. Yes. And then she basically just looks like a uh, the peach crayon in a Crayola box. Yeah. She looks like she is going to leave school to finish. Her crochet. Yeah. Because it's like giant khaki pants and then yeah. like a beige shirt and then yeah. like that beige wallpapery oversized vest. She has Meals on Wheels to deliver after right. school. Which is also uh, prescient because the embarrassing thing is the lunch lady, the lunch monitor teacher lady yes. that, every, that, that DJ says everyone hates. But I was like, I don't know, I didn't, I guess, maybe. Yeah. She comes in and she's wearing the exact same thing and that's what makes everyone laugh at DJ and then yep. she has to lock herself in the phone booth. Yes. Very depressing. Very sad. Do, so, do kids now? Do kids just pretend to talk on their phone? Yeah, like their they, cell phone for for lunch. Here's the thing: do they do they have their cell phones in the school? That is a great question. I don't. I know honestly what, have no idea. Yeah, I don't know what policy I, is on that now. I'm trying to think. I carried because I had a cell phone in high school. Yeah, but I'm when I I think I got it when I was like a junior, uh, and I guess I did. I I honestly have no idea where it was. I don't know if I took it to school because I know it was big because those were big cell phones. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I know it definitely like wasn't just in my pocket all day. Maybe yeah. it was. It had a Union Jack faceplate and a Wonderwall ringtone. Oh, of course it did. Uh, that's me. Um, <laughs> a question about this though: a, a phone booth in the cafeteria. Yes. Is that a thing? That was not a thing at my any school I ever went to. Well, I mean, it, San Francisco was on the uh, precipice of the tech boom. Okay, so right. Oh, yeah. That's how I will... That's how I'll no-prize that. Yeah. Because <laughs> that is weird. It's like a t- straight-up, like, Clark Kent Superman-style mm-hmm. Bill and Ted phone booth. Even as a kid, I thought that was a weird yeah. situation. Because there are other shows... Usually they have to go to the bathroom, but, see, mm-hmm. that required that would require them to build a separate set yeah. and a cut because she would have to walk to the bathroom. Yep. This way she can just go straight to the phone booth because it's in... The cafeteria. Yeah. What was your first day of seventh grade like? I mean, was it anything like this? No, not even close. Uh, so seventh grade, interestingly enough, was the last year that you were in the middle school at my school. Oh, you had eighth um, grade in high school? Yeah, Ooh. eighth grade. So our when I was in school, um, our elementary school was first to fourth. Then you moved to middle school for fifth through seventh. Oh, and then you weird. went to high school for eighth through twelve. And then the year that... I went to eighth grade. Um, they changed. They moved fifth grade. They opened the intermediate school. They'd been building the school yeah. for a couple of years. So they, they opened the intermediate school and they moved uh, fourth and fifth grade to the intermediate school. 
And then when I was a, a freshman in high school, they moved eighth grade down to the middle school. Where it should be. Yes. I feel bad for those eighth graders being exposed to all those dirty high schoolers. Well, it, what was weird, too, was the way that they had our school set up, like what times people went to school. So mm. when I was in middle school, the middle school got to school. So, like, uh, call time at elementary school was the last one in the school district. Like, it was the yeah. latest in the school district. Um, high school was in the middle, and middle school had the earliest. We had to be... We would wait for the bus as 10-year-olds at about 10 after 6 in the morning. Jeez, To Louise. get to school. And then when I, got to, when I got to high school, when I was going into 8th grade, I was looking forward to being able to sleep in. But that summer, they announced that the high school was adopting the middle school start time and the middle school was taking the high school start time. So it just never changed never, for me. I don't think, like, my my middle school experience was nothing like... Like, I'm thinking back... I don't remember kids being as dressed up as these kids as... Yeah. Like, they, they see... They run into Kathy Santoni. Yes. First appearance of recurring... Uh, Source of, like, high school uh, competition, Kathy Santoni. Yes. This episode. Yeah, yeah. She And DJ and Stephanie, or DJ and Kimmy don't recognize her because she, like, grew breasts and started showing her belly, basically. Yes. Because she's dressed like a music video yes. actor. She's dressed like Paula Abdul. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. She says, um, after, she, like, gives him the lay of the land and says, everyone makes out in the football field after school. Everyone makes out in the football field. Everyone. I don't remember. My middle school experience in Tennessee was not like any of this at all. I mean, there no. were definitely, there were there were power couples and stuff. You know, there was yeah. all that. But I don't remember people, like, making out all the time. I don't really remember people dressing like fly girls, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I've always been a sneakerhead. I used to, when I was... When I was nine, like when I was in the fourth grade, the uh, like the Jordan fours came out, okay. and I would do chores for anybody in my family to collect enough money. I wound up making like across a year, I wound up making like two hundred seventy dollars and bought three pair of Jordans. Yeah, I was obsessed, and like even seventh grade, I came into school, I had the uh, the Olympic edition. Uh, Charles Barkley Nike 180s. Oh yeah. <laughs> which I like I wore those things into the ground. That was that for me was like my big fashion thing, but as far as like making out and stuff like that goes, I, I mean, I don't know the Okay, I had my first kiss in 6th grade and it was at uh the Homewood Roller Rink. Ooh, yeah, that sounds very full house. Yeah, so so these so people would make out at the roller rink because your parents would drop you off there yeah. on like a Friday evening yeah. for a couple of hours and then some, and then your girlfriend that you're going with, not even yeah. going steady, it was just going with, right? Yeah. They would come to and then you would skate around and like nervously talk to each other and then everyone would dare you to kiss and then you would like tongue kiss and then be like, I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> um, and that was like, that was my experience. This sort of like... If that, if, I, I guess I'll say that if that experience exists where everyone was making out, like, after school, I didn't experience that. No, and I, I did not. I famously did not have any friends until ninth grade. Thank you very much. So... <laughs> I, the, the friends were my only friends. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In seventh grade, I wore nothing but, like, Star Wars t-shirts. Yes. 
Uh, and the only time people would talk to me would be to borrow comics from me to read during supervised study. Yep, there you go. Uh, I was I was the dealer of comic books to people that would never talk to me about comics or even admit that they liked them outside of supervised study. Yeah. But would read them, but then not talk to me. Good yep. times. So let's move on to the uh, Jesse Joey golf scene, only because I want to ask... <clears throat> <laughs> Are Jesse's golf clothes really worse than what he is normally wearing? No. Like, <laughs> not even a little bit. It's also surprising to me because Joey dresses like such a slob. And it's insinuated that these clothes are Joey's. Because Jesse yeah. says, thanks for thanks for lending me these uh, golf clothes. Which are, um, they're like green and pink plaid pants. And yes. then a pink, is it like a pink polo or it's something? It's a pink polo with like a, a pale blue or pale green stripe. Yeah, so it's like, you know, honestly, my aesthetic almost. Like yeah. What I, like I would, I, again, tailor it to fit a fucking body. I know. And then I would wear it. It just, I just don't understand like the billowy look. I look back on my own like blunder years. Oh yeah. And wearing like extra, I used to wear extra large yes. t-shirts and I was a size medium. Honestly, like all, the, <laughs> all those Star Wars t-shirts. Yeah. Larges. Yes. Larges, extra larges. Yeah. Why? Why? I honestly, um, it, it worked out because again, like when that shit became ironic in like college and stuff, I could go back, oh, I can wear these. Yes. Uh, like legit in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then they have that, uh, Joey, uh, Joey effortlessly golfs and then Jesse can't. And so Joey is like, I'm going to teach you. Michelle is watching inexplicably because Michelle needs screen time. Yeah. She has her little Tyco, uh, or her like play school golf yeah. set and a lawn chair. <laughs> yeah. That's already out there that Joey just plucks her in to be yeah. like, you are now in this scene. Yes. Uh, and so Joey goes behind Jesse to like help him swing. And there's like a bit of like a good, good, good panic about yeah. like, Help uh, him swing. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I do want to say that, I think we said in the opening credits that, like, Joey's shirt was really good. Is that, it was his shirt, wasn't it? Yeah. Joey uh, had a, Joey actually was wearing a solid, like, like, he had a little bit of style. And it's, it's interesting to me, too, because by the end of the series, he's just, like, in the Kevin Smith, like, right. the sad oh. Kevin Smith outfit of, like, an oversized hockey jersey yeah, and hockey sweatpants jersey. Yeah. all the time. Uh, we're, the thing I, the thing about watching Fuller House, because I've watched both seasons, like, first day they came out. Yep. Uh, is, I was like, oh, man, like, fucking Joey, Joey dresses really well. Oh, no. Like, yeah. I, I, I like what Joey is wearing. And it just is like, oh, God, am I the Joey? What is happening? <laughs> Because I could recognize, like, I'm pretty sure he's wearing, like, Bonobo's short sleeve shirts. Yes. Like, original Ping. Like, he's yeah. got what's, like, I spent a whole bunch of money on Penguin accessories right before this podcast. That's true. It's like, oh, God. You know, it's it's interesting. Like, I thank God they got a new stylist on that show. Someone who, they like. Updated it. What? Yeah. Like, yeah. Ugh. Um, after that, we get the makeup party scene. Yes. So, like, after Kimmy... Oh, did Kimmy also have... She had an embarrassing first day. What did she say her first day was? She said, at least you got at least you got to eat lunch? Because, oh, I can't remember. Oh, she had to give hers to a girl... With a, with tat a tattoo? At least you got to eat. I had to give my lunch to a girl with a tattoo. What? <laughs> that's another, like, absurd joke yes. that works on another show. But again, I'm like, that's... Yeah, I that's like know. a 30 Rock joke yes. right there. Yes, okay, that's it. 
These are a, a high school with a mustache is a thirty rock. A junior yes. high school kid with a mustache yes. is a thirty rock joke. A high schooler with a mustache is a full house joke. Yes, because that could actually plausibly happen, but it is straining on the right thing. But okay, <laughs> so a girl with tattoo took Kenny's lunch. Yeah. So then they uh, get dolled up. Oh, they get dolled up. It's makeup time. And I wrote down makeup party, and then Stephanie came in and said, Oh, it's a makeup party. Yeah. So I was like, Hey, I call that. Didn't see that coming. Well, if you're not invited to the makeout party, I guess uh, have a makeup party. So they're both dressed. I mean, there's like very like eyes of Tammy Faye. Like, they're, oh, they're yeah, like, there's yeah. a lot going on. There's a lot of hairspray. RuPaul would have a lot of comments. Uh, a, it's a lot of look. Yeah, you know? it's a lot of look. It's a lot of look. Um, and then they get up to show off their outfits and. Uh, DJ is wearing like an off the shoulder like black mini like mini skirt dress thing. Yes, it's super tight. They're both wearing super tight clothes. Yeah, uh, Gibbler's wearing a similar thing in blue with like black lace tights, and yeah. the audience actually gasps at oh, what wow, they're yeah. wearing. Well, Kimmy's also stuffed her bra. Yes, yeah, yeah. She she shows those off. Yeah. And then uh, Stephanie's there, and this is the line I really did actually like: "Is that DJ asks like, how do we look? Well, how do we look? <laughs> Cheap. Yes. Which I I like that. But Steph- also I love that Gibbler leans into that too. Yeah. She goes, wait, and that's when she shows off her uh, yeah. her stuff job. I. I I've I think I've sung the praises of Kimmy Gibbler on this podcast before, but I I think I do. I don't think I ironically like Kimmy Gibbler. I think I do genuinely really like the character of Kimmy Gibbler. They they turned her into a cartoon by the end, which with I like think all is the, great. The feet jokes and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like just there it, was a there was uh, a, a one there was a period in between those two. I think where she was like one of the funniest parts of the yeah. show. Well, there's a this is. Early. This is season three. She's not a regular yet. So yeah. she doesn't really have that much to do. And she, you know, she has, she's got some good lines, you know, but she isn't as driving of a presence as like when it's like full on. Hola, ne- Tannerinos. Hola, Tannerinos. Like neon bodysuit, stinky feet. Yes. Like making out with Dwayne. Oh my God, Dwayne. I forgot about Dwayne. Like, whatever. Yeah. I love. Whatever. So I love her. Um, and then did we, you had a comment about their their method of getting out of the house. Yeah, so... Because well, they're dressed like this. DJ, no, they know they're going to get in trouble. Yes, and they go, like, every morning the routine's the same in the Tanner household. Yeah. It's filled with people, but also they're always in the kitchen. Yeah. And you also have a pretty clear line of sight on the living room balcony... Yes, of who's in the living room. Of who's in the living room. And also you have the option of either going downstairs through the kitchen or through the living room. You yeah. You can choose. And you can also you can also peek down that living that kitchen stairwell and like look around. Yes. You can you can easily spy and get a lay of the land both ways. People have done that in future episodes. Yes, They've eavesdropped a, from that yes. landing. So why did they go? Why then did they doll themselves up like this? Also put a jacket on. They took their jackets off in their room. Like, yeah. they were covered up in blankets and jackets. Yeah. They took them off and then went through the kitchen. Yeah. Instead of going down, like, the living room and just yelling, we're late for the bus, we're gonna go. Uh, yeah. Or having, like, you know, a big jacket on or something. Yes. And, like, leaving it on the porch or yep. putting it in your locker. This is just, uh, you know, subconsciously I can't help but wonder, 
Did they want to be caught? I think they wanted to be. I think DJ DJ was. You could. She was scared. Yeah. It's a. It was a trying time. She's. She's. A, she was a big fish in a small pond. And I now she's in a big up, pond. Did, what, what did you have to say about? What did you think about Stephanie's recounting of her first day of second grade? Boy, she had like the most golden day of second grade ever. Also, a little insulting that she's like these kids can't even read. Yeah, she was. Which I thought that was weird because it's like. You, you, you're, she's not in a new, she's not in a new school, is she? She's still No, the it's the same school. So, she knew that they're, I don't know, that's a weird thing. It's like, yes. they're not all of a sudden an influx of like, suddenly the kindergarten class can't read. Oh yeah. my god. Like, <laughs> yeah. What happened? You didn't figure that out last year? Yeah. Uh, so she's, she's doing fine, which is a good contrast to DJ. Yeah. Had a hard time. Yeah, she had a hard time. I mean, also, Jesse had a hard time trying to play golf. Shot 150 on nine holes. Yeah. <laughs> and if we just, like, do the math real fast here, which I'm going to do. So, 150 divided by nine equals seven, about 17 shots per hole. <laughs> so, it's, most, most holes are, like, a par three or a par four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at most, if it's super long, it's a par five. That means that this, this, he golfed the equivalent of 27 holes <laughs> on nine holes, and this must have been a four-hour round of oh, golf. Man. Did they win the account? We I, don't know. No, th- that plot line is so bare bones. It's never, it's never resolved. They got so much going on with this uh, seventh grade one. Um, so DJ runs upstairs because. Danny's, of course, like, you can't do this. Yeah. I have control over your body and your decisions. Yeah. She was in seventh grade. Yeah, also, yeah. I'm not a parent. I don't fucking know. This, honestly, like, shit like this is why I am glad never going to be a parent. Right. I, me and my husband have been, we, if we adopt, they're going to be 16. Like, 16, yeah. They're, they're at least going to be, like, youngest 10. Like, You're we're going to have, like, job interviews for the kids. Yeah. Be like, why do you want to live with us? Why do you want to live with us? Yeah. Oh, the, us a uh, gay po- power couple in a palatial Manhattan. <laughs> Come to us. Uh, be a part of our media dynasty. Yeah. <laughs> this is the golden future I have ahead of me. So, the dynasty. DJ runs upstairs because she's like, I guess I'll be your little girl forever. Yeah. And it's like, and then Jesse, Joe, and Danny are like, you know what all this means? We are on the verge of raising a teenager. And then we go upstairs and DJ's in her room, clutching her pillow person. Yes. I love that the pillow person is a plot point in Fuller House. Is have it you, really? Have you watched Fuller House? I watched like the first three episodes of the first season. The one with um, Macy Gray yeah. is legitimately funny. Okay. Like there, there are some, like <laughs> Macy Gray in that episode is Killer really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, I don't even know why I'm here. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Fuller House, I'm glad. I mean, we can take a slight detour into Fuller House because it is insane. Yes. Uh, and I got mad at people that were being so mean to it, being like, this is garbage. How dare, like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, do you remember Full House? Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> the highest compliment that I can give Fuller House that it absolutely deserves, it, it is astonishingly the exact same show. Yes. It is the exact same level of quality, and whether or not you love Full House, genuinely, ironically, however you love Full House, is exactly how you will feel about Fuller House, which is a feat. And... That is very impressive. <laughs> so, the the other thing that I don't think can be uh, over... I don't think overstated enough is that I think that Full House was 
more influential on television than we at our age realize because mm. it affected the generation after us. Oh, yeah. Um, you look at the Disney Channel and you look at the cable stations like ABC Family yeah, yeah. and the t- and Nickelodeon. Freeform. Yes. The types of shows yeah. that became wildly popular. Have you ever watched iCarly? No. iCarly, millions of viewers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Produced by uh, uh, Brian Robbins, the the two guys, the two kids that were in head all of the that, class, and right? They did, and all they did all that. So they produced iCarly. I remember when they had announced that Jack Black was going to be on an episode, and that I read an article about it that millions of people were watching. Yeah, it. this was like 2012. Yeah, and I watched it, and it is Full House. Yeah, it is. It's slightly wacky. It's geared towards children, and it it just the only difference is. That the because it's specifically aimed towards children, the children often get the upper hand over adults. Right, which is Whereas, not the case on yeah, Full House. There's still a, adults still have agency on Full House. Yeah, but sometimes it, whole plot lines where they where they propose to someone at Disney World and then you never really find out what happens. That yes. character immediately gets written out of the show. Unbelievable, Vicky. But oh man, Vicky, love Vicky. Vicky. That, that future. She just didn't. She just didn't want to be on the show anymore. I don't think. Really? They do write her out. They do explain yeah. why she like takes a job in Alaska or something. Yeah. But anyway, like yeah, the fact that I also like Full House has dedicated, dedicated fans, like yeah. legit fans, and I do think legit think it is hilarious. So if you're listening to this, I also don't. I'm not. It's weird. Like walking the line of like. I don't want to shit on it because I'm not, I hope I doesn't sound like I'm shitting on full house, even though I have said that it is insane and horrible, but it's also been like, it comes from such a weird place of genuine love. Well, that's the thing. I don't even ironically like full house. I think I do genuinely love full house, but I think I love it because it is exactly the show that they intended it to be. Also, it's not like I think that, that they thought they were making art Right, a brilliant, like, edgy show that was pushing boundaries. They knew what they were doing, and they did it well. And then it's just one of the most uh, engrossing and entertaining shows maybe to ever exist. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I think, too, that there's there's a certain thing that you and I enjoy with any type of entertainment. Like, even when we'll talk about movies, or, like, back back on the old show... We we love like sincerity of intent. Yeah, and I think that the there's also something that comes through in sincerity of enjoyment, where you can acknowledge the ridiculous aspects of it without trashing it, yeah. and that's that's a line that I don't think a lot of people understand how to toe because they, they think that if you yeah. if you poke fun at something. You have to be mad about it, and that's not the case. Because there's a, there, you could easily be like, "Full House is garbage," and also that is a sentence I have definitely said yeah. sincerely at a time. But then I want to talk about, yes, I want to talk about why it is, and I want to talk about like why when I was getting sinus surgery a couple years ago, before I was going into surgery, I was talking to my then fiance, and I was just like, I think I don't know if I'd already had some drugs or whatever, but yeah. I was just like. I was like looking up the Full House complete series boxes and when I, whenever I'm out of this, I want this. Like get this for me. We're watching Full House for my recovery. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about the full like the house? Yeah, I was like the house he box was like, set. Can you? Because he was like genuinely like nervous because his you know partner was going into surgery. He's like, yeah. can you stop talking about buying the Full House complete box set? 
before you go off into surgery? Like, can we be serious for a second? And for my husband to want to be serious for a second is like asking a lot. That's I, true. This I, is the guy. This is the guy that dropped a friend's line in the middle of your vows. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I do like bringing up like I genuinely like love talking about Full House. You're never gonna get me to admit that it is a. Uh, legitimately funny show or right like a, like a well-written show yeah but they're still like i love it and yeah. uh, i also i love that people love it i love that apparently fuller house was the most watched show of 2016 or whenever that first season came out yes the most watched show apparently. on netflix yeah like 23 24 like, they, like <laughs> that's the, amazing it feels like netflix dropped the numbers just to give a middle finger to walking dead just yeah. to be like actually we don't ever tell anyone what, uh, what, how many people watch our shows, but this is how many people watch Fuller House. Bye! Yeah. Which it's, I was like, I like, that's fine. It's, it's funny too, like, you're right, no one, I think people that are uh, uh, upset about it, well, I, I, you know, everyone has their own reasons, I guess, but the, it's not a show that's ever pretended to be anything other than what it is. No. And what it is, is a show... Where a teen, a preteen girl is upset about the journey her life is taking, and then an adult walks into her bedroom and music starts playing. I want to know what's going on with you. Yesterday was the worst day of my life. Everyone looked so much older than me. I was just exactly like. Yes. And the music starts. Because that's yes. the scene that we're at is the music scene. Yes, the, the music scene. Where, where all the jokes, you hit pause on the jokes, you hit play on the like Kenny G smooth jazz sax. Yes, yeah, it's it's a slowed down, it's like a uh, slowed down version of the theme song on an alto sax. It's like, yeah. And you know, here it comes, here comes like... The lessons. I honestly cannot remember what the lesson is. The, oh. I, I am blanking on all the lines of dialogue from that. Well, the lesson <laughs> The lesson was that you don't have to be in a hurry to grow up. Okay. And also that you're not, just because uh, a new situation is uncomfortable, doesn't mean that you're failing. Right. It's that, you know, she was in a transition phase and she had to learn about that that she had had an environment around her in her elementary school for so long that she was so accustomed to it that she became as Danny says the big fish oh, right. in the small the pond. Fi- oh, I didn't track what he was saying because it went to this deep fish metaphor. Yes. That he then had that was their attempt at a joke in the yeah. serious moment. Yes, was yes. This fish metaphor. Um and then, you know, now she is uh, the same size fish but in a bigger pond and now she just has to readjust mm-hmm. and relearn how to navigate the waters here. Yes. And then Becky comes in because Becky is there of course to pick up Danny. Yeah. Uh, and she basically she helps DJ with her makeup which is like Uncle, Be- Uncle Becky and Becky comes in and she's immediately a grounding force a calming force yep. takes control of the situation Effortless, effortlessly, genuinely. For instance, you want a very subtle pink eyeshadow. Can I show her? Can she? Go for it. Yes. It was it was genuinely Becky, touching. Becky yeah. is the best. <laughs> she is, and she's this. Um, she's a really great presence in those kids' lives yeah. because, and you could. It, 
this is this is just solid acting too. Like like Bob Saget as an actor looks simultaneously like relieved and proud. Yeah. That she asked that she asked, and good. also that she wanted to teach his daughter something that he can't teach. Yeah. Her. Which is good. So yeah. she's his co-host. And his surrogate uh, wife, mother figure, but she's actually going to be his sister-in-law. Yeah, yeah, I'm surrogate, really they... surrogate sister, wife-in-law. Sister, yeah, oh, <laughs> uh, and so then she gets a makeover. DJ goes to next day at lunch. I guess we're at. Yes. Um, Kimmy walks in. They're both dressed like cool kids. Yeah, and the kind of cool kids you would see in an ad from 1990 doing a jump in the air. I just yes, <laughs> like I can, I can picture it's a white background and their yep. legs are kicked up behind. Yes, them, yes, and they're like what? They have like Reebok aerobic shoes on, yeah. and they're just like it's wow, like, like neon orange, neon green, really great. Yes, Kimmy says they have lunch together now because she got her schedule changed, which I felt was a big plot point that I need to know more about. Did she get her schedule changed specifically for this purpose? Was she, did she have her schedule changed? Did her mom get her schedule? Me, Kimmy, Kimmy has absentee parents for the most part, so I yes. don't think it's that. But is there a side story where Kimmy undergoes like a super spy, like master manipulator scheme to like get her schedule changed? You know, it's entirely possible. Maybe she got. Her lunch schedule changed because the day before she had to give her lunch to a woman with, with a, a tattoo. tattoo who turned out to be like an escaped convict. And yeah, uh, <laughs> there's a whole crazy <laughs> plot on the other side See, of that. We don't need Fuller House. We need the Kimmy Gibbler side of just yeah. Fuller House. Um, so then they meet two new friends who we don't yes. think we ever see again. And you pointed out that during this introduction scene, there is a. There's a junior high extra that is not doing his job in the background. Okay, so one of my favorite things is to watch how extras behave. If I've seen something enough, I will pay attention to the extras just to see what people are doing. Yeah. Um, this This was one of those amazing finds. And there's just this blonde boy in the next to last shot of the... Like, one of the last shots of the episode as they're introducing themselves. He's standing in the doorway in the far yeah. background. But he he's not moving. At all. Just, he's stock still, yeah. and he looks like he is thousand yards staring both of them in the back of the head. Yeah, it is really creepy. It's like, it's it's three men and a baby, is that a ghost level? Yes! <laughs> type territory. Um, and then, so they're at the lunch table, and then all the popular girls from the other er, other day come, and they're like, this is our table, and DJ's like, well, it's a scrub. You're sitting at our table. Well, now it's a scrub table, but you're welcome to join us. <laughs> I wanted to point out, total dick move on their part for stealing a lunch table. Uh, honestly, yeah. Because, as, you know, people that have been through high school, there is an unwritten rule. Yes. That, like, if there is no seats assigned in a classroom or and there are no tables assigned in a cafeteria, you pick your place and yeah. you stay there. That's right. And I remember there being, in when I was a, I think, a senior in high school, um, we had a, towards the end of the school year, we had a, I had a falling out. Me and another friend of mine had a falling out with one of the guys that we shared our lunch table with. Mm -hmm. And it was honestly like a whole thing to get us to move tables. Like it was a week, a tense week of buildup of like people had like one of us having to go to across the cafeteria to like scope it out to where other friends were. Yeah. Hey, hey, we hear they have two extra seats. Okay, cool. So, like, we're gonna go. Today's the day. And it was like this, like... Like human smuggling. Whole, yes, it was this whole thing. And so, like, the day came, and we, like, went and we had to sit at the new table, and we could see them over there. And it was like, oof. 
we got out. Like you were you so you've always been Han Solo. Yeah. I mean you've been a smuggler all your life. <laughs> so super So when that happened, I was like, well of course I'm on DJ's side because she's our hero of the show. Sure. And those uh, you know, eighth grade thirty year olds are the villains. <laughs> yeah. But I'm also like, hey, it is their table. It is uh, It is also day two, so... I mean, I it's know. a little sus. Maybe it's day two. Maybe things haven't settled yet. But the thing is, those girls have clearly been in this school for a couple of years, so yeah, they, they're probably coming back to the table. That they're, yeah. <laughs> those, <laughs> those might have been teachers, for all yeah. we know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so now let's get into the trivia Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So yeah, this episode was watched by... 23.5 23.5 million viewers that week. My God. It was tied with Monday Night Football. Okay. And it was still number 22 for the week. That the- is that is a testament to how few channels there yeah. were. Roseanne was number one that week, and it was watched by 41.7 million people. <laughs> that is an insane number to me. That's honestly, for this entire podcast, I honestly think 41.7 million viewers might be the biggest number I've ever said on this because that is, yeah, that is outrageous. There are like the most watched shows of the 70s had like 20 million viewers, yeah, like maybe 30. That's a crazy number, yeah. At this time, ABC was doing they were the most watched network Which, on TV, they had it coming because like CBS was the 70s, yeah, ABC was kind of 80. Um, I also noted there was a show called Bloopers and Jokes. On oh. NBC. Oh yeah, that's um, uh, bloopers and practical jokes. So Dick, uh, Dick Clark used to host because I knew America's Funniest Home Videos and America's Funniest People. No, this and was bloopers and jokes. So this is this is a holdover from the '80s. Ed McMahon and Dick Clark used to host this, uh... and it would be an occasional thing. And it was all behind the scenes. Uh, blown takes and stuff on yes, sitcoms yeah. and and stuff like that. Or sometimes they would be practical jokes that they would set up with people to pull. Like a little bit of punked, where yeah. someone that was on a show would prank someone else on that show. Man, big deal. Yeah. <laughs> big fun. 26 million people watched that that week. Unbelievable. Uh, so, this, for the season, for season three of Full House, it was 22 for the season, number 22. Yep. So, the top five shows of the 89-90 season were at five, America's Finest Home Videos, wow. Bob Saget. Uh, for a different world. Wait, more people watched America's Funniest Home Videos yeah, than, Full House. than Full House. Yeah, which is Whoa. ridiculous. Uh, for a different world, 
three cheers, and then tied for number one, The Cosby Show and Roseanne. Wow. So, crazy. Uh, this episode was the first time that Michelle ever said, you got it, dude. Right here, watch Uncle Jesse get a golf lesson first. Okay, babe? Got it, dude. Oh, was it really? We saw some history because she doesn't. She doesn't quite get it out all the way. Yeah, it's uh, it's a muted. You got it, dude. Yeah, she just says something like, "Got it, dude." Got it, dude. And it's like you know, I don't need. She she half asses a thumbs up. Yes. Come on, boo. It was the first time they taught her that trick. Uh, and which is literally what it is for her. Yeah. She is a baby, so it is teaching her tricks. Yes. And then they also deploy all those catchphrases. Like it's a trick. Yes. Like, come on, say it, say it. You got it, dude. Good girl. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Yay! Yay! Uh, this episode in IMDb, 129 users rated this a 7.7. Wow. Would you go higher, lower, right on the money? For Full House episodes. I feel like we are both adic- we are adequately up on Full House where we can gauge whether or not this is a 7.7 Full House episode. I would, I would go lower. I would go probably 7 mm-hmm. out of 10 for Full House. Mostly because they just straight up dropped that B plot. Yeah, like they gave yeah, 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 no yeah. resolution to it. Yeah, I, I'm, I would go, I don't know, a seven, yeah, like a seven, seven point one, seven point. Like it's like, yeah, yeah, I would say it's on the low. Because to, to me, Full House, much like Mad Men, gets mm-hmm. better as it goes on. <laughs> yeah, it matures well. I like latter season Full House. I want DJ with Steve. Yeah, I want like high school Stephanie with Gia. Oh, I, yeah. And I want a fully autonomous Michelle. Like, I want a Michelle that isn't just doing tricks. I want her to have arcs and friends and she like, must have, lines. You, you want to see Michelle and Teddy. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's what I want. So, yeah. early Full House, eh. I want right. to get to where the where the where where they're playing Ace of Bases the sign. I just was going to say the exact <laughs> same thing. What? That, oh, man. Which is also comes back in Fuller House. Fuller yeah. House is great. Oh, they man. get the band. Gia comes back and they get the band back together on Full House. I feel like I gotta check this out. Well, yeah. she's a DJ in Full House, right? Yeah, she's DJ Stephanie Tanner. Yeah, yeah. Who had the must see performance in this episode? I'm having a hard time with this. That's a great question. Um, I would. It's really hard because my go tos. Yeah. Normally on a Full House episode, my go tos are gonna be Becky, Joey, or Kimmy. That's who I, on average, yes. mostly that's who I'm going to give it to. They don't got much to do in this episode. Yeah, Becky doesn't, like, she's the in, one scene is really good. Really good. But I think I'm going to have to give it to DJ because she carried the whole episode. Yeah, there's a lot of weight. Uh, I think I have to give it, I guess I have to give it to DJ because this is a, this is like the DJ-iest of episodes. Yes. And she, she nails the drama. Mm-hmm. That like I guess I'll be your daddy's little girl forever. Yeah. Oof. And I loved. Uh, I did. I always thought it was funny. I remember thinking it was very funny when I was a kid that she says I sat in the uh, phone booth and listened to the uh, the operator for twenty. She knew this specific. Yeah, twenty. It was like 12, uh, 25 or... minutes and forty five seconds or something. And I was like, oh yeah, that would allow her enough time to have gotten her lunch. To have had that, like, 90-second interaction, and then to go into the booth, it just was, like, so accurate to me, and also very funny that she knew the exact last moment that she listened. So, yeah, I will give it to DJ. If we ever do Full House again, keep in mind, like, Kimmy, Joey, and Becky, the all-stars. Oh, yeah. I think. Yes. Also, some there's some good Stephanie every now and then. Mm-hmm. 
But you know, if I'm watching it, it's for Kimmy and Joey and Becky. Yeah, there's um. God, Joey's also horrible. Joey's a. It's uh, <laughs> I honestly, I could talk about Full House for so many hours. Well, Stephanie gets Stephanie's lines get a lot better towards uh, when she's around eighth grade. Yeah, she's super sarcastic. You're real good, and her jokes like they write good like burns yeah, yeah, for her. Yeah. Like she burns, Kimmy. she burns Gibbler good. a lot. Joey is the least funny comedian ever. But yes. also, like, guilty pleasure love. Yes. Um, must other people see this episode? I believe they should. I believe it's... they already have. Oh, I mean, no <laughs> one hasn't. Uh, but I. But if you haven't, it is a solid distillation of this yeah. era of Full House. Yeah, of, like, first half Full House. Yeah. A little bit of silliness, some heartfelt lessons, yeah. and you get that... That golden era Michelle cuteness. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say, I mean, there are definitely Full House episodes that are, like, way better than this one. I mean, any episode with the Beach Boys. Right. Gotta go with it. Oh, yeah. When they just stand there with half smiles the entire time they're on yeah. camera. Uh, the episode where DJ makes friends with an Alzheimer's patient. Oh, oh, yes. The episode where they ask if little Michelle will never remember their mother. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they, there's some. I mean the fi- the final episode <clears throat> of the series where Michelle. the youngest one gets amnesia. Yeah, which is falling off a horse. Such a strange, strange way to end a series. Also, just strange pitch in general. Mm-hmm. Like it's an hour long celebration of all things Michelle. Is yes, what it is Michelle. Uh, Michelle smiling. <clears throat> oh god. Also, the episode where Jesse uh, is as Vulture, wearing yes. that leather jumpsuit, and he gets stuck. Oh, he gets stuck in the air! And he keeps ah, his tongue out. Ah. Uh, <laughs> and there's also the episode, is it where the cousin comes, and he keeps leaving love notes around, and everyone keeps reading love notes that they think is for other. It's a total farce. Yes. And then it also reveals it like Comet has an inner dialogue and yes. like thinks in English. Yes. Comet is a dog. Full House is great. Um, where can people find you on the internet to talk about Full House? Oh, you want to check me out? Uh, you check me out on Instagram at Matt Little, Twitter at the Matt Little. Uh, you can also catch up on some of my TV recaps and, uh, and, also, I compile the funniest replies to Donald Trump tweets every week for funnierdie.com. Oh, nice. Which is actually harder than you'd think because <laughs> a lot of the replies to Donald Trump, even from very, very funny people, are just, I fucking hate you. Yeah. <laughs> Which is truth. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. And that does it for this week's episode of Must Have Seen TV. Thanks again to my guest, Matt Little, for dropping by and talking about Full House with me this week. Next week on the show, I will be discussing the Roseanne episode, Death and Stuff. Death and Stuff is in season one. It is episode 21, and you can watch that Roseanne episode on Amazon.com. As I've been saying over the past couple episodes, if you have a question for the show about 20th century sitcoms, you can send it in to the email address musthaveseentv at gmail.com. That's musthaveseentv at gmail.com. Until then, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr at, at musthaveseentv. 
you like what you've heard, please rate and review the show in iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brett White. You can read the words that I write at Decider.com. You can check out my sitcom t-shirts and stickers at tpublic.com slash user slash Brett White. The theme song is Patricia's Moving Picture by The Go Team. Thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast. Thanks to all y'all for listening, and I'll see you next week on Must Have Seen TV. 